Hey everybody, this is Brett with Indie Comics Dispatch. On this week's episode of Broadcast from the Dispatch, we have a wonderful one-on-one interview with Dr. Sheena Howard. If you don't know who Dr. Howard is, you will by the end of this episode. She is a wonderful comic scholar, comic book writer, novel writer. She's just done it all. Um, So we talk to her and then we follow that up with a panel of guests discussing Indie Comics, recent news items, and just uh, wherever the conversation takes us. As always, Broadcast from the Dispatch is first a live stream. We broadcast most Thursday evenings on the Indie Comics Dispatch social media channels. Have you ever noticed how hard it is to say social media channel? See, I can't even do it. You have no idea how many takes it takes me every week to do that one line. Anyway, you can find us there. Um, it's really fun experience. Uh, you can come be part of the live audience, comment, ask questions, interact with the guests, um, and just be a part of the conversation we're having every week, Thursday nights, broadcast from the Dispatch Live. But hey! You're listening to the podcast, and we really appreciate you, too. If you could take a moment when you're done listening to this podcast to rate, like, subscribe, whatever the platform you're on calls it, do that. It really does help us get the word out more and more about Broadcast from the Dispatch. And without any further ado, here's this week's episode of Broadcast from the Dispatch. Hey, everybody. It's Brett with Indie Comics Dispatch and broadcasting from an undisclosed location deep within the Milky Way galaxy. This is Broadcast from the Dispatch. Good evening. Welcome to another Thursday night of broadcast from the Dispatch. I'm Brett. I'm your host, and I'm honored to be here this evening. Um, we have a very special guest. Um, we're doing this show format slightly different. Um, it works out perfectly to try. I've been wanting to try this out for a while. Tonight worked out perfectly to do that. So we'll get to our first guest in just a minute, but stick around also. Second half of the show, we're going to have a panel discussion about uh, recent indie comic news items. Uh, so stick around for that too after the interview. Um, First off, a um, couple of quick announcements. I, I get emails all the time. Hey, do you want to review our book? And yeah, we do. We totally do. But here's how I want to do it. I want you to go to our website. I want you to go to contact us, submit. And there on the on that page, you can easily submit a book for review or your press release. Let me tell you, if you're out there, you're an indie comic creator, learn to do a press release. It's going to get you a lot farther. It's going to get you a lot of press. Um, and it's going to really help you out. Um, we'll post, we may edit it down or rearrange some stuff, but we'll post your indie comic press release. Um, no questions asked mostly. Um, so if you have something, um, s- send it there um, and and let us spread the news for you. Or if you have a book you want reviewed, don't just blindly email me. We have a whole process. Um, I appreciate all the emails we get, but there's a process uh, uploaded there. It makes it easier for our reviewers to get to your books. Um, and yeah. Um, 
that's my main announcement for tonight. And so without any further ado, I'm going to go ahead and uh, intro our guests for this evening. Um, Dr. Sheena C. Howard is a professor of communication. She's an award-winning author, filmmaker, and scholar. In 2014, Sheena became the first Black woman to win an Eisner Award for her book, Black Comics, Politics of Race and Representation. She's also the author of several critically acclaimed books and comic books on a range of topics. Sheena is a writer, an image activist, with a passion for telling stories through various mediums that encourage audiences to consider narratives that are different than their own. In 2014, Sheena published Black Queer Identity Matrix and Critical Articulations of Race, Gender, and Sexual Orientation. Sheena is the author-editor of the award-winning book Encyclopedia of Black Comics and the co-writer of the comic book Superb about a teenage superhero with Down syndrome. In 2016, through her company NerdWorks LLC, Sheena directed, produced, and wrote the documentary Remixing Colorblind, which explores the ways the educational system shapes our perception of race and others. Dr. Howard, welcome. Thank you. I am so happy to be here and uh, yeah, can't wait to get it to get going. Great. Well, thank you again uh, for being here tonight. Um, you know, we, we had talked last year because you have literally written the book on Black comics and representation in comics. And so um, we tried to get here last year. Schedules didn't work out. So I was so happy, so happy when I approached you this year that it worked out a little bit better. Um, huge fan of yours. Um, I think I have almost all your books. Um, awesome. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'm excited to have you here. Tell us more about yourself um, and what drew you into the world of comics in particular. Yeah, so for me, my story into comics is a little bit different. Um, you know, I started, um, I got into comics when I was doing my dissertation at Howard University in 2010. Um, that's when I graduated Howard, but at 23 years old, I was in a PhD program, super young with a bunch of adults who just knew what they wanted to write their dissertation on and knew what they wanted to talk about. And here I am, 23 year olds. I don't, as a 23 year old, I didn't have a clue but at the time I was reading the Boondocks comic strip and I really liked it. So I said, hey, you know, I want to do this work on representation around race and gender and how the media impacts us and the way we think about different types of people. So I did my dissertation on the Boondocks comic strip and the rest is history, as they say. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> I had no idea about that. Um so that's pretty amazing. Um, so let's just dive kind of right in. Um, sometimes um, I'll get asked, um, and I'm not, if you're out there watching, I'm the wrong person to ask this question to <laughs> for a number of reasons. But but we're a big supporter of Black comics and Black artists at the Dispatch. And so sometimes somebody will go like, why why are Black comics important? You know, mm. why why Black comics? We can't can it all just be comics? Yeah. Um, so what would you say to those people? Well, you know, like anything, and I, I don't want to say just America, but the world, you know, the stories of African-Americans have been ignored. They've been told from the perspective of um, white people, right? They've been, our, our representation in media has been distorted and harmful and uh, created negative stereotypes about us that are very impactful in the way that we interact in the world. And so studying black comic strips, black comics, it's just another aspect of society that we can say, hey, we can use this medium to document Black culture and Black history, preserve Black culture and Black history, because documenting Black comics and the history of Black comics is where it all started for me. And then 
comics is an amazing medium to talk about the history of um of america and black people in america so i think that's why um, it's important to um, talk about and study black comics and also there's a lot of work to be done to recognize the black people in the comics industry historically um and so yeah it's just like doing the work that we do in every other sector of society to kind of redress and address racism Awesome. So let's talk a minute then about your book, the uh, Encyclopedia of Black Comics. Yeah. Um, tell tell everybody a little bit about that. Where you got the idea? How how? What was the qualification for making it into that? I love just my my my. I have an, a daughter Maya who's black, and she just loves flipping through that book and John Jennings' <laughs> um, book Black Comics. Um, yeah. she just loves going through that and diving into that. So that's a book that's near and dear to my heart. So tell everybody a little bit more about that book. So when I was writing my first book, Black Comics, Politics of Race and Representation, my first ever book, the one that won the Eisner, you know, when I was, when I was, that book is based off of my dissertation. And when I was doing my dissertation, I was in the basement, the Howard University Library, and I'm looking, I, I'm thinking I'm just going to go down to the library and get a book that covers the history of black people in comics like the black creators and their contributions and then there was there was no book like there's no book that i could just go to to get a timeline of um the history of black people in comics or the contributions they made during the civil rights movement and so after i did my dissertation i'm like this is like an injustice like all of the books i was reading were all about white superheroes and the contributions of white people and so trace that line to the encyclopedia of black comics it's just me it's just more of me trying to document and preserve the contributions of african americans in comics and it's also a learning process for me because i'm someone who didn't read comics as a, a, a little a little kid right i didn't grow up on comics like a lot of comic book fans have so all of this not only am i documenting and preserving black history i'm also learning as i go and um you know, doing something for, for my community. That's awesome. Um, Jason Richardson, uh, I, he's in your book. Yeah. First time I met him, uh, he was like, I'm in this book. Look me oh, up. <laughs> so he was so him. honored yeah, to great. be in there. Yeah, he's great. Awesome. <laughs> Shout amazing. out to Jason, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the first time you remember you got into uh, comics, you said, as an adult? Um, mm -hmm. And so this might not be the best question, but, you know, because you were studying representation when you got into comics. But what was right. the first time you came across a character in the wild, so to speak, that you thought this character, I, I this character represents me. They did this one well. You know, in this character represents me well, I don't I don't. I, I think the problem with the media in general mm -hmm. is that I, I haven't traditionally connected to a character anywhere that represents me. And, and of course, no character is going to completely right. represent us, but there are characters that speak to some parts of our, our identity, or there's characters that we connect to that we say, oh man, like I'm like that, that is my story, right? Oh my goodness, like finally somebody understands what I'm going through. And you know, I haven't I haven't found that particular character that that really like speaks to me in in that way um but my favorite comic book character is captain america right a, a white guy um but that, but you know i love the values that captain america stands for and you know so so yeah 
That's awesome. So we're speaking of mainstream stuff. Let's take a little Wonder Woman detour. Let's uh, you're you're writing some stuff for Wonder Woman right now. Yeah. Let's talk about how that happened and and what's going on there. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, that was really fun. Um, I'm I'm really honored to even have been able to touch Wonder Woman in any way, and hopefully I get to write Wonder Woman a lot more going forward. But um, but yeah, my I'm gonna be my story is coming out next month in November. It's in the Wonder Woman Black and Gold number six issue, and not only did I get to write Wonder Woman, but my story is also has the Black Wonder Woman Nubia in it. So I got to write, write both Wonder Womans, which is just like ah, so crazy and and amazing. And I think it's a really good story, but of course, <laughs> I'm biased. So hopefully your viewers <laughs> will uh, hit me up and let me know what they think. Hopefully. I'm sure it's good. I'm sure it's good. I think it's really good. I think it's one of my best, definitely. So other than Wonder Woman, what other projects do you have going on right now? So I just did, I did do a story in um, a book called Wonderful Women of the World for DC that came out last month. And I'm also, I'm, I'm doing something with DMC, right? Um, um, DMC number four is coming out, um, you know, down the line. So I'm doing something with DMC, which I'm really really excited about and uh yeah so i got i got i'm i'm also writing another like unrelated to comics book because you know i'm a writer so yeah. i just write so um so yeah we got some, some projects in the pipeline and hopefully more wonder woman that's awesome well speaking of writing you have a novel called nina's whisper that you turned into a graphic novel um yes so let's talk a little bit about that because that is um uh, one of the unique books um, that, again, speaks to representation. The, one of the aspects of representation that's far too often not represented, particularly in comics. So let's tell everybody about the premise of it and then um, get a little bit into um, how, how, where'd that story come from? Yeah, thanks for asking me about that. So Nina's Whisper is a same-sex domestic abuse story because, you know, I consider myself an image activism and I'm trying to tell stories that are not told, right? We talk about representation. Um, there's a lot of different types of family structures and people mm -hmm. and situations that, you know, unfortunately, those stories don't get told when we get down to the nuance of representation and stuff. So when we think about domestic abuse, we always think about a man abusing a woman, right? Mm -hmm. But there's actually research that shows that in the LGBT community, domestic abuse is actually higher than 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 abuse in heterosexual oh, wow. relationships, and so, um, yeah, the story is about same-sex domestic abuse. I self-published the 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 um novel, and then I did a graphic narrative version of the book, and um, I, I wanted to self-publish it because I like to learn and I like to teach people what I learn. So now I can speak right about the differences between publishing traditionally and self-publishing mm. because all of my books have been published by publishers with the exception of nina's whisper so anything i learn i like to be able to teach people well speaking of that let's talk you have courses that people can sign up to take on yes. on, uh, on uh udemy i think right yes yes, yes. so so yeah, I have courses on Teachable, which is um, basically Teachable is your own platform, right? And um, uh, a comic book and graphic novel script writing course. And then I have a comic book and graphic novel script writing course for shorter stories. So if you want to know how to 
tell short stories like six to nine pages, which are tough to do, right? To tell it yeah. to tell a story from start, middle, and 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 end, and wrap it up in a nice bow in only nine pages. So so yeah, check out the courses. Um, I definitely prefer people to check out the courses on my Teachable site, and you can get there through any of my social media platforms. Nice. Very cool. Very cool. I know some people that are constantly looking for, for new creators are always looking for, for resources. Right. And so yes. uh, we get emails, Instagram messages, Facebook messages all the time asking us. And so having people to refer them to is, is, is great. And so yes, yes. definitely adding your, your courses to our list of resources. Please do. That'd be wonderful. And the, the course is getting great reviews. I get about on Udemy. I get about 60 people in there a month in oh, wow. great reviews yeah 4.6 4. out of five so it's a great course yeah nice very good very good and so speaking of of ways to support artists i also want to give your patreon a shout out because you have a thank patreon. you no problem so tell everybody a little because i i have loved your patreon um i'm a member and so i've loved um the the perks and the rewards that you send out tell everybody a little bit about your patreon and I appreciate you for 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 sticking it out with me. But um, <laughs> so my Patreon um has actually been revamped recently, so it's a lot better. So the highest tier is fifty dollars, um, a month, but that gets you two hour coaching calls. That was perfect me. timing. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> the universe is working with me. Yes, when you work with the universe, it works with you. <laughs> Um, shout out to the secret app that sends you that uh, money signal every <laughs> night to, to remind you to manifest. But um, oh. yeah, so the, the top tier is $50 a, a month and that's limited. I only let a certain number of people um, enter into that tier because you get a two hour coaching call with me every month and we can either go over your projects and get, and I can give you feedback and review of your projects, or I can take you through sort of like a curriculum, a theme curriculum and set up different themes for you every month. And we can do that for two hours every month. So you get access to me like that. Um, the middle tier, you just get copies of my books when they come out, autographed, delivered right to your door. Um, and it has some other perks. Like I, I, I like to support creatives with um with grants and resources because a lot of people a lot of creatives you know we fall into the starving artist trope where it's like we want to do something so we're funding things out of our pocket and we're because because we want to do it we want it to be out in the world but we don't have to do that there's so many resources out there that can support us financially and so um on my patreon monthly i try to send out six five or six um um, grant resources that people can apply to. But I also do that on my free mailing list as well. I just don't send out as many of those opportunities. Um, so you get get lots, lots of perks like like that on the Patreon. So yeah, please go and check it out. Yeah, it's been well worth it just for the books alone. I mean, well worth it. So yeah. And again, yeah. those grants, I've looked at the grants when you send them out, there's some great opportunities there. Yeah. And, and and I appreciate the feedback because I do have people that message me and say, hey, I've been applying to the grants that you've been sending. And yes, like in some of them you can apply to really quickly. Like some of them don't have an extensive, um, you know, application process. Others do. And like some of the grants are for like $15,000. Some of them are for, are for less. So instead of you having to go around the internet for uh, grants and resources. And I also send out um, just opportunities. Like here are some things that can help you with entrepreneurship um, in, in the newsletter as well. Awesome. That's really cool. Really, really cool. Um, so you do a lot to help support the other creators. Who are some creators that you think people should really be following right now and checking out? 
You know, I was really impressed by the artwork of Jamal Campbell on my Wonder Woman issue. It's beautiful. It's amazing. So if you're not familiar with Jamal, please go check out his work. It's, it's like genius level um, artwork. Um, I always love Amy Chu, right? She's she's just a she's she she's just a great resource in the comics industry. But also the work she's doing is amazing. Um, of course, John Jennings, right? He comes from the academic perspective, but the creative perspective. And I also always love the work of Joel Christian Gill as well, because he he does that kind of black historical comic yeah. um, work, which a, which a lot of writers are starting to do now. Right. They're, they're starting that the people that used to do the superhero. Yeah. The people that used <laughs> to just do the superhero stuff are now doing like books on like the Black Panther Party and Frederick yeah. Douglass and stuff like that. So. I think that's really amazing. And I would like to think I did have a part to play in showing people that comics can be used for something really socially relevant and conscious. Yeah, yeah it's amazing. Some of the really cool graphic novels coming down the line yes. that speak to like, I mean, like I said, my daughter, Maya, I mean, I just hand her a graphic novel and she learned so much better in that format. So I yep. can hand her books on historical things that happen. Exactly. And it's, it's amazing. It's Isn't amazing. that amazing? I love it. So like my he, son's name, his name is Che, C-H-E, and I have the graphic novel about Che Guevara uh, up here. He's not ready for it yet because he's only four, but I'm I, there, <laughs> so when he's ready, we're going to be reading about Che Guevara. He's your son. He's not reading it yet? I mean, come on. I know, right? I'm <laughs> slacking over here. Professor Howard is slacking. <laughs> That's awesome. That, that I don't think I have that one. I'll have to pick that one up because that, that sounds like a good one, too. Yeah. Um, um, so new comic creators a lot of times watch the show like i said you have lots of resources if you could offer one piece of actionable advice for a new comic creator what would it be they have an idea in their head they want to get it out into the world what piece of advice would you give them that that doesn't give too much away from your um courses <laughs> you know what the piece of advice is hmm. to send an email and i know that sounds crazy but sometimes and i posted this on my twitter the other day Sometimes the difference between you and the other creator is that they were not scared to send an email to a person that you thought would never work with you. So my book right here, Encyclopedia of Black Comics, it has a forward by Henry Louis Gates, the Henry Louis Gates. And the reason why that happened is because I just sent him an email. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you got to get out of your own way and just send an email, right? You, you might you might look up to this comic creator. You might think they would never respond to your email, but actually they might, but you never yeah. know unless you send that email. I have, I have totally found that when working with people, you know, when I first started doing this, I thought, you know, nobody's ever going to let me talk to them. Nobody's ever going to yeah. let me interview them. Um, but you're right that if you just send an email, you know. You're, yeah, you're kind of surprised by how many people are just like, sure, like, yeah, that works. It's crazy. And some of these people that you think are like super celebrities or like, mm -hmm. same thing for this book, Why Wakanda Matters, mm -hmm. as a forward by um, Philip Boutte Jr. He's actually the... My, con the can you um, see my copy right back there? Right. What'd you say? Oh, can yeah. Can you see yeah. my copy? <laughs> Philip Boutte Jr., he actually um, did the costume um, design work for the wow. film Black Panther, mm -hmm. and he wrote the forward. And That's amazing. I've never met him. I just sent them an email. You'd be, you'd be amazed. Yeah. That's that. That's really good advice. That's really mm -hmm. good advice because so many people out there are scared and think they have to work up to getting a certain level. And I mean, maybe you do, but also maybe you don't. You don't know until right. you send that email. 
So. Right, right, right. Figure out who you want to work with. Figure out somebody that might be a, a step ahead of you and tell them how you can support them, right? Mm -hmm. so, instead of asking them for something, tell them how you can support them, right? Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. Other than than buying stuff, which I know every creator wants their <laughs> stuff sold, um, mm. what's, what's some of your advice for how people can support creatives? Well, from the creative's perspective, make sure you're giving people value, right? You, you make money by giving people value, right? Being of service to people in some way, right? So, you know, like I said, I get like 60 people a month in that um, comic book and um, graphic novel script writing course. You know, I, 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 I made a course that is pretty comprehensive and is giving people value at a, at a really low, low price. Um, and so I think from the creative perspective, that's where I would give, um, the advice to, but for, for, for the customer, I mean, you can support your favorite creatives by just buying their content. If nobody's buying, you know, especially for those people that are publishing with publishers, if, if you're not buying our stuff, you know, we're not going to get the opportunity. So sometimes yeah. we have fans that really like our work, but they actually don't buy our stuff, but they, but it doesn't mean that they're, they they do not like our stuff, but the best way to show us that you like our stuff is to actually um, buy our stuff and talk about us on social media, right? When you buy that book, post it on social media, tag us, right? I think those two things are the most important, right? Um, supporting us by buying our stuff and then letting letting your network know, right? People only know about you when you when you share us with your network. Very good. Very good. Well, tell us how people can specifically follow you and support you, Dr. Howard. So Dr. Sheena Howard everywhere, my, my website, you can get to it through SheenaCHoward.com or Dr. Sheena C. Howard. Um, same thing for Twitter, Instagram. I've been working on my Instagram, so I, I'm posting a lot on Instagram now. I, I spent a lot of time because I'm a writer, so Twitter was my thing. That but my creative coach is like, no, the young people are on Instagram, so you need to go over to Instagram. So I've been, I've been, I've been, I, my Instagram is is pretty good now. So is my TikTok. Um, so yeah, yeah, find me, find me on the socials and hit me up. Wonderful, wonderful. And you again, I just want to give another plug for your Patreon. It's a great, great thing. And that two hours a month that you're talking about for that fifty dollars level, if you are looking to get into to comics or writing or or whatever. You, that that that's a really good investment in in your future and helps dr howard out too so um yeah yes. i can't and i'm sure people can get there through your social media and off of your website yes my link tree all of that if you go to my instagram my link tree will be there you'll be linked out to uh to uh everything also hey i'm always looking for feedback tell me what you want want me to create tell me what you want me to help you with tell me what what courses you want me to create so i can support you and right now i'm actually looking for feedback on my patreon tier so if you go to my instagram um you'll see a post there i'm giving away a 25 dollar amazon gift card so go ahead and click on that enter to win the 25 dollar amazon gift card literally all you have to do is look at my patreon tiers and give me feedback on them Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Dr. Howard, thank you for being here tonight. It was a pleasure to get to talk to you. I'm so excited that you're we're here and we're able to talk for a little bit. Um, we're going to transition just a minute to the panel, but I just did wanted to tell you goodbye before we move off. And again, thank you and tell everybody out there, go follow Dr. Howard, Dr. Sheena Howard. If you don't already, follow her and just pay attention to what she's doing, but also support her, like she said. Yeah. Thank you, <laughs> okay. Brett.
Thank you, ma'am. We'll yeah. talk to you later. All right. I always like getting to talk to people who I admire greatly. Um, and so it was an honor to have Dr. Howard here. We're going to shift to a slightly different format. Now we're going to have a panel discussion in just a minute. Um, I do want to invite somebody on that. I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. And we're going to figure that out here in just a minute. Um, <laughs> Steve is a member of the ICD team. He writes reviews and um, also uh, has a current project out. So I'm going to pop him on first. Steve, how in the world are you? I'm doing good. How about you, Brett? I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. How do you say your last name? Kerbitz. I would have right. I never get names right. <laughs> no, don't worry. Everyone mispronounces my name. I've I've heard Kerbitz, Kerbitz. Like, don't worry. It's one. Not a lot of people get it right, but it's well, either. My me. last name is Hillesheim, so I'm right there with you, man. Nobody ever gets it right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um. Before we welcome on some other people here in a few minutes, because we are running actually a couple of minutes uh, early, I wanted to give you the chance to talk about your current your current project that's on Kickstarter. You, now, I do want to say you're going to be back on, I think, next week, right? Um, when we talk about monsters in indie comics. Um, but um, hold on, I'm pulling something up here. Um, but we wanted to have you on this week too, because we have the opportunity to. Um, so I am pulling up your Kickstarter right now. We'll share the link, but um, tell us about the current Kickstarter. Okay, so Rivenport has been a passion project of mine, a book I've been working on for the past couple of years. Um, it's it's got a lot of influences. The main ones are like D and D style fantasy books because. I'm a big fan of Jim Zub's D&D and Pathfinder books. Um, Die by Kieran Gillian is a, one of my favorite books coming out right now. And even like the Adventure Zone books with the Elroys. But like mm -hmm. where Rivenport kind of twists that is that Rivenport is a city and a fantasy world that's kind of reached its version of the industrial revolution. Mm. So it's got a lot of those steampunk influences in there too. And um, what it is, is it's a story about a young pickpocket who finds out that there's a contract on the life of the man who killed his mother and father right in front of him when he was a child. And he has to decide if he's going to move up in the criminal underworld from being somebody who just does, like, petty larceny and stuff like that to being an actual, like, cold-blooded killer. And um, it's just, like, imagine a world like the one from Gangs of New York, but mm -hmm. there's also uh, monsters magic, uh, people with special abilities, you know, Finch, Leonard Finch, that's the name of our protagonist. He's just like a, your normal human rogue. He's really quick, really cunning, and he's going up against people like one of the people he goes up against owns like an exotic monster fighting ring. Amazing. And like uh, the man who killed his father has um 
he can make his skin as hard as steel and make himself super dense. Uh, this scene here that you're scrolling through, we chose this one as the preview because this is like a typical night in Finch's life. He's a uh, he robs this wizard for his spell reagents. I wonder if I'm saying that right. Regents, you can say it however you want. It's your book. Yeah, um, but basically, <laughs> like the components he uses for casting spells. Okay. But as you can see, Finch is only threatening him with the butter knife. The plan was that he would steal the stuff before the wizard ever came back. <laughs> and, um, you know, and you find out later that he has a good reason for stealing those spell components. And one of the things I wanted to do with this project is, um, I really like the moral ambiguity of like gangsters that have a code, like, you know, like Sons of Anarchy, um, Goodfellas, mm -hmm. you know, even once again, Gangs of New York. It's like mm -hmm. these people who, um, you know, maybe they're what we would call bad, but they still have their own code of honor and ethics and place where they draw the line on what they'll do, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I, it's Ryan Tavares does mm -hmm. the art. I got to give a big shout out to him. He's had other successful Kickstarters with his name. He, uh, Nomads, the book he yeah. put out himself last year. That's been really popular with a lot of people. Um, TavaresArt.com, if you want to check out his work. Ryan is an amazing artist, and his work yeah. on this book seems seems top-notch again. Um, yeah, because a lot of this Victorian, like the Victorian era is known for like its elegance mm -hmm. and how complicated its designs are. Like you, When you were looking at this Kickstarter, you scrolled past like an art nouveau print mm -hmm. and like he really tackled the challenges that came with designing this world well but um you can see nomads he makes an interesting decision to take nomads which is a post-apocalyptic world where humans have reverted to living in tribes and fighting each other but instead of everything being like dark and gray and brown it's just the most vibrant technicolor mm. stuff you've ever seen in your life yeah there's some amazing spreads in nomads yeah amazing he's also tackled a hitchstock hitchcock style comic and when he made game of doubles with mm -hmm. jonathan thompson he's worked on a motor city mo with the three wise men and like i don't know i'm honored to be working with him we've been friends for a while but he's like He's not just my buddy who can draw. Like, you can tell. Like, this guy, I think he's he's right on the cusp of being really big. Mm -hmm. I would mm -hmm. put him up against, like, Trad Moore or Danny Warren Johnson or any of those guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Brian's amazing. So I dropped the link in the chat on Facebook and YouTube. If you're watching on the ICD channels, um, you can click that link and you can go support this Kickstarter. Um, some great tiers going on there. Um, 
for for as little as three dollars you can get a digital so there's no reason i mean again if you're in, intrigued by the story uh the, the it's the dnd aspects um go go support this kickstarter and i'll drop the links again before we get off the show and post in the show notes for the podcast listeners um Thank so you. No problem. Everybody go go support Rivenport. You can just search it on Kickstarter, Rivenport, and it will come right up one word. Um, or I'm sure it's linked on all Steve's uh, social media profiles. Yep. Um, Do you have it on your OnlyFans also, or is it just your main ones? Um, I'm just joking. No, like the OnlyFans is, <laughs> uh, is kept separate from everything else. Okay, that's good to know. You know, but... Um, my website is bitsbitesblog.com, and I am bitsbitesblog pretty much on every social media platform, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and if you look me up and follow me, trust me, I'll be posting something that links to the Rivenport Kickstarter at least till November 15th. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, everybody go support it. Um, I'm going to uh, welcome a couple other people now, and then we'll get into some headlines for this evening. Um, first up, Jason Alexander, Fogbreaker Studio. Hello, sir. How's it going, y'all? Going good. Thanks How are you tonight? Brett. I'm no awesome, problem. man. Thanks for asking. Great. No problem. I'm so glad. So J- uh, Jason is also a member of the ICD team writing reviews and uh, got his own thing going on with mini comic bundles and Fogbreaker Studios. So yep. lots of cool things going on there. Um, so welcome again. You've been on for a creator popping before. Yeah, um, I have. Yeah. But um, nice to have you on the show formally. Yes, and, exactly. Um, good to be here. And then uh, a staple of the ICD team for, I think, close to a year now. Um, it's hard to believe. Malachi Bailey, how are you, hey sir? I'm doing well. What's going on? When when did we start with with you and and nice? I mean, it's got it has to be close to a year now. I think so. Maybe maybe December. Yeah, I want to say December was on the first official, you know, um, session. But you know, we were friends before that, so yeah. yeah. I mean, kind of. I didn't like you. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Don't mind one of these people. <laughs> <laughs> oh well gentlemen welcome thank you for coming on i've been wanting to kind of test out some different formats where we kind of switch in the middle of the show from an interview to maybe more panel style so it was a great opportunity to try that um and i think alex orbello may join a little bit i saw on his instagram post he said 9 40 that it's not the time alex so you may we may be done <laughs> but that's okay um so i'm gonna because i haven't gotten to play this in a while here's our headlines intro Just because I like various intros. That was a fun little fun little bop. <laughs> so first up, it is Halloween, and so CBR has an article right now: ten spooky indie comics to read this Halloween. I do. I, I love indie comics because of what they can do to um, explore things that traditional comics can't. Um, and so, while they have lots of great um, um, comics on this list, like Lock and Key. Um, I can never say that because I'm bad at um, pronouncing names. 30 Days of Night, um, Baby Teeth. Um, you know, they have a lot of really great ones. Um, have you guys read any spooky stories lately in indie comics or know of anybody that putting some out that you would recommend? 
Um, I have we, me, and Aaron did quite a bit of horror in the minis. Like they're mm-hmm. short, but I don't know. I think horror lives. I don't. Know, I think horror lives awesome in short stories because mm-hmm. that's all we really ever need. Like for a movie, you see the scary parts in the trailer, and the rest of the story kind of lives around it. So I love doing my horror, but um, I read Uzumaki this year, and that kind of changed how I created for a while. You know, I didn't I didn't create clones, but man, I tell you what, like if you want to do it right, like that's that's a pretty close example of somebody that did it right. And it's long, but you don't care. And it's every chapter is unsettling differently than the last, but it never stops. So I I always have to go to Uzumaki whenever whenever horror and comics comes up. There's really not many that did it much better for me, anyway. Oh, you're gonna add uh, Alec to the stream. Master. Where are you at, Alec? Or... I made it. I you made, made it. it. I'm home. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thank you for, for being you. here, Steve. You were starting. We're talking right now, Alec. We're talking about uh, indie indie horror comics, and if you've read any lately or, or at any point. Um, but Steve was just about to say something. I think. Oh, I was just gonna agree that Junji Ito is pretty much the master of horror comics as far as I'm concerned, like heavyweight champion, just because, you know, Uzumaki, a really solid one. Uh, Gaio, like the death stench of the sea is another one, or even just like his short one, like the Anagara Fault, I think it's called, like Mystery. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one, yeah. 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 I read the hanging balloons here recently too. And like, I love the idea of putting real people in these super odd situations that you almost have to think for a second before you realize how scary it would be to see your face on a balloon with a noose on the bottom of it. Like there's, there's levels to that, but you know, there's levels to that for me, but it's, 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 it's just, it's, a one. It, it's what I. It's why I like. Like why horror is my favorite sandbox. I love writing horror now. You know, I've only done it for about a year and a half, but it's it's where I want to stamp for sure somewhere. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I feel like Gaia was pretty cool. Um, I think comics honestly is one of the harder harder you know mediums to do horror in personally. You know, I think because movies, they got the edge because there's sound effects and there's like all this other stuff that goes into like you getting immersed into like some horror and uh, they can get away with like adding that suspense without showing the monsters and stuff. Right. And so that makes it easier for them. And then even when you're reading novels, like those descriptive words by Stephen King writing 10 pages about like the room he's in. Like, that helps you get scared, too. But I feel like in comics, it's hard to, like, I, I don't know. For me, it's harder to, like, feel that fear when I'm reading something. You know, and mm-hmm. I think I was thinking about it a lot lately because I just read Witches by Scott Snyder. And that was actually mm-hmm. on that article that you mentioned. And um, mm-hmm. I thought that was a really good book. And, you know, obviously, Snyder is, like, awesome. He's a great writer. But, um 
It was just like, I, I think you need to see the monster more. I don't, you can't get away with that suspense that you can get away with in those in those other mediums. So, like, I think you really need to see it. The Walking Dead is also pretty scary, but that's, like, emotional stuff, you know? Yeah. It's not like you yeah. were saying where putting those people in those situations, It's it was that type of thing for me with The yeah. Walking Dead. So, um, I don't know if it'd be he'd consider it horror or not, but David Wilburn from Broken Face Comics has a series called Plainer Jane. It's about your typical um, 16-year-old high school girl who also happens to be a serial killer. And it oh. is amazing. Typical. <laughs> it's <Plainer> amazing. <laughs> she she, she finds the dark web, and she's basically a, a sociopath, right? She, she just wants to kill people because that's what she wants. And um, she finds the dark <laughs> web and starts accepting um, um, hit jobs. And so the first one goes, okay. Those, so she gets more jobs, and it's just her path anyway it's it's good if you i think he has a new kickstarter coming up if you don't follow broken face comics follow broken face comics and um great series great series um another person i like um who i think does do a good job of building suspense in short panels uh, especially is harry nordlinger have you guys ever followed heard of him god he is creepy as shit like (laughs) (laughs) Harry what's his last name Nordlinger so it's N-O-R-D-L-I-N-G-E-R we actually had him on the show last year uh, around around this time in in um, October Um, but just go look at some of the stuff he posts and actually all of his comics are um, free you can read online at vacuumdecay.com what is it called vacuumdecay.com and there decay <laughs> different book, different book. Um, I was like, one. I might have been in a couple of those and some some rest stops. Driving from North Carolina to Maine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's funny. Oh, anybody else have anything to add on horror? Mal, you got any horror you've been? Writing? I know. You- well, you know, um, I am usually a superhero fanatic, but mm-hmm. something did you know come to my attention. So my artist, Dino Agor, and I'm probably butchering his last name, so please forgive me, Dino. He's actually illustrating a Kickstarter called Zombie Death Ball Mayhem. Mm. And it's about, hold on, I have the Kickstarter pulled up. It's about this girl and her fearless chihuahua, and they're um, going, they're fighting, the, fighting their way across a zombie apocalypse in search of an orthodontist. Mm. So I'm in I love it. <laughs> you know, so I, I pledge something. It's I'm one of those things you'd need. Right? I, I would say yeah. so. I love those people who are bold enough to just take concepts like that and just run with them. Who's yeah. the other um zombie uh the zombie dating, I, I yeah, Steve Urena. Yeah, yeah, Steve Urena. <laughs> I love when people just go with that type of thing. So funny. That, that's another good one. So I haven't read Zombie Date Night from Steve yet, but um, it's on my to read list. He sent me a copy of it. Um, and um, but his earlier book, Slow Pokes. Yeah, I was just about to bring that up. Oh, I love it's familiar. genetically modified sloths that move fast. And apparently, like if sloths yeah. could move fast, they'd be like these terror machines that just murder everybody. Yeah, that's <laughs> so funny. I, yeah, I, I, it's it's hilarious. Like I first started reading it, and I actually messaged Steve. It's like. I just need to know before I keep reading, like, are you taking yourself serious here or is this like funny? And he's like, no, totally funny. I was like, okay, thank God. 
That's funny. That's great. Because like as a creator, like you think about like, what am I spending my time thinking about? You know, it's mm-hmm. like, because people like, you know how long it takes to draw something, you know how long it takes to write something, but like nobody takes into account the amount of time you're just sitting there thinking about it or on a walk thinking mm-hmm. about it. So to, to, to invest that amount of time and just like do that into a concept where it's like, all right, guys, I got this idea. It's like these sloths, right? <laughs> like, like I, I, I props to pe- people like Steve who go out there and do it. Oh, yeah. That's I comics, to- though. Like, you could never get a budget to make that television show ah, on a pitch. Not yet. Exactly. You know, no but you can nail it in a comic book easy, you know, if, if that's your thing. So I love it. Exactly Netflix, Netflix is looking for stuff. You never know. I mean, they are. They are. through some pretty weird stuff. <laughs> Somebody's probably listening to this right now, like, okay, fast sloths? Okay, <laughs> who do we get to do fast sloths? <laughs> I actually have another idea if anybody wants to have it. I was driving by, uh, I live in New Hampshire, and I was just driving by this road, and on the side, I see something that's just like standing up. It's like a foot and a half tall, and it's a woodchuck. And I tell you, that thing looked like the stupid little grizzly bear. And I think if somebody could, it was fierce, but it was awesome. It was a, it was a moment. And if somebody somebody can run with that concept, like stupid I'm little sure there. <laughs> if Netflix is going to you know be accepting pitches for different you know TV shows, um, I thought about this one book I was reading some years ago, and it was called um, White Trash Zombie, and it was so different. It was it was so unique. And I would love to see them adapt it. But I think um, there was a similar show. What was that, that zombie show? Um, with the girl with um, blonde hair. Yeah, with uh, I Zombie Barrymore. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I no, the one with Drew Barrymore, wasn't it? No, not that one. That's the Santa Clarita Diet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Diet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I Zombie. I Zombie. Okay. Um, I, I remember there was controversy because they pretty much stole like the, um, the premise of the White Trash Zombie series and they adapted it for their screenplay and the screenplay was picked up. So that's why yeah. I didn't watch that show because I didn't like it. Damn. <laughs> and that's Mal's opinion. That's on that. that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I hope the that devil's come down. <laughs> well, let's talk about um, indie comics for, for just a minute, in particular publishers. Um, you know, um, CBR has this article 10 longest lasting independent comic book publishers of all time. And, you know, basically they mean not Marvel and DC by independent. Um, right. So um, Eclipse is on here. Um, IDW, who we just started uh, being a press partner with, plug for IDW and Indie Comics Dispatch. Um, Gold Key Comics. Um, Image Comics, of course. Um, what do you think? Like, there's so many people kind of getting in the game right now. Um what do you think it takes to be a long-term publisher in indie comics right now? Can I just say something? Cause I kind of, we've talked yeah. about this before and this is a little off topic, but we talk about like indie publishers and we said, well, we're small press and they're big press, but we're all indie. I, I think yeah. that's bullshit. We should have the term to ourselves and then we should just call them creatively independent. So like, I, I agree with you. So that's why if you notice, um, and if other people can disagree with me, but I say like ICD represents small press, independent and creator owned, because a lot of these are still creator owned books, even though they have the yeah. backing of a massive publishing house behind them. Yeah. 
So, I like that. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I'm cool with, like, we need to just, like, start, if we just, like, acknowledge, like, stop acknowledging them as indie, co- like, indie yeah. publishers and just start calling them, like, creatively independent or creator-owned, like, yeah. that's going to catch on. And we'll just let the other, like, let it slide, and then eventually we'll have yeah. this all figured out. I agree with you. <laughs> Alec and I have it figured out. <laughs> nice. Uh, Netflix can get that one, get that uh, written down too. <laughs> Thanks, Netflix. Um, <laughs> so back to the question of, of being Sorry. an indie publisher by Alex's definition, um, a smaller press publisher. Um, what do you think you have to do to be in it for the long game right now? I think you got to get good at like self promotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The goal is. You know, like what I see you doing, Malachi, like you're always, everybody who's on your social media knows where you're at. You know what I mean? Like, this is what you need to get. This is the book that needs to exist. And I think that that's, I think that there's really nothing better than that. Because if you can do it for yourself, when you, if you ever get somebody behind you, you'll be fine. But if you never have somebody behind you, you'll still be fine because you'll have your base. And that's what it's for. You, you'll you never going to nail 100%. And so it doesn't need to be this huge machine. You just have to have the, um, I don't know, what is it? I guess tenacity to... Tenacity, exactly. To do it. You know, you well, have to have the tenacity to do it and be confident in your, in your path because it's, it's still not going to be the same for everybody who does it this way. For yeah, sure. Because right now, there's just a lot of like, Everyone's just throwing stuff to the wall and seeing what sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm from Michigan, so we have a, like, I guess what you'd call, like, a middle-sized publisher, like, Source Point Press. Like, yeah, they definitely have, like, I was just at Motor City Con. They had a huge presence there. Um, it seems like, to me, to really make it, you just got to, like, Uh, Like, you can't get discouraged and, like, because the truth is you're going to lose money making comics for a long time before you ever start making money. Yeah, well, to add to both your guys' points is you said something about, like, whether somebody's going to be there for you or not, you need to know how to do it. Uh, uh, So, like, literally, so, like, let's say you get published by, like, one of the, like, uh, by some company like whether whether it's scout or image or whoever right at the end of the day if you need your comic to be su- successful you you still have to go to those cons you still have to you know put out work on your own social media and do all that stuff so if anything like if that's your goal like consider this practice and you need to learn all those steps to get to where you, you want to be you know so i i can I think wingless Malachi, you do do a great job. Thank you. At, like people, people, when you get there, like you, you already like feeling like uh, you got your brand. You know, I hate to do it because like I hate corporate shit. Like, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. you, you really do have your your brand. Like you know, when you get it there, that like you're looking at a wingless comics, you know, comic or or, or like a post. You know, like I know right away. Like I don't have to see your your name to, to know it's wingless. So. That's important. And like people, and to your point, Steve, people are going to do it different ways too. Like one of my, 
my one of my friends and one of the creators I follow a lot, JL Johnson, who does any it. Mm-hmm. I've talked to him and he's had a lot of success in a short period of time. Yeah, and really he did it differently than me, where he wrote like seven issues or nine issues, or however many he wrote before he even started putting in production. You know, whereas a lot of people, myself included, are just like, holy shit, I just wrote something. I need to see it like now. I need to just go. And that's not a bad way to do it either. I like I was definitely, you know, a period of transition for me where I just needed to get it out and then actually figure out how to make it good afterwards. So, you know, you're going to take different steps to get there. And I can already tell you I've lost money doing things that I'll never get back. I can tell you that I've not lost money, but I'm down money just putting it into my project in general. And if that's the type of stuff that's going to discourage you, you shouldn't be doing anything. And you don't want to be that guy. So you should just fucking stay. What was the word you said? Tenacious. 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 Yeah. It definitely takes tenacity. But like, I'm also, I'm going through learning a lot of that stuff now because like, you know, I'm trying to push my Kickstarter on social media. I'm trying to figure out what makes the algorithm happy because Kickstarter, not Kickstarter, Facebook and Twitter, pretty much anything that leads you outside of a social media's yep. ecosystem, they're going to kill it. Yep. Yeah. They do not. Unless they, you pay for it. Because that, that's, that's the whole thing. It. They want unless you to pay for it. Paid either. Yeah. yeah. And I for dropped, it. I think at this point, like four or $500 buying ads. And even that is just that's like, crazy. Yeah. 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 Um, I do want to give a couple quick shout outs. Uh, Crimson Owl Comics on Instagram said, Jason, I'm assuming that's at you, Jason. Ronnie, what's up? Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Lionheart series, uh, who has a Kickstarter running right now, uh, gave waves. I think they're on the show next week. Um, they're on the show soon. Um, I got to check. <laughs> um, and then um, D Hausner, I'm going to say. D, I, I just always call you D. Um, um, is watching on YouTube and uh, D also has an upcoming Kickstarter. Uh, you can search for D. I know on Instagram, I think is D.Hausner. Um, I hope I'm saying that right, D. And then Ben O'Grady, um, who was on the show um, last week um, and um, is a contributor to ICD as well. Um, hello, gentlemen. Um, so we were just talking about Kickstarters. Let's, let's talk about that because that's our next article here. Um, I'll do it myself. The impact of crowdfunding on indie comics. Um, this article um, just really gets into the the impact that crowdfunding has had on comics and how comics, indie comics in particular, have em- embraced crowdfunding. And crowdfunding platforms have certainly embraced indie comics um, because they make a significant chunk of money off of us funding our projects through them. Um, so, um, you know, there there's lots of talk about. Um, crowdfunding i've seen this debate kind of going around recently of like oh i don't crowdfund i self-fund and i don't get that um what's the problem with crowd with having people buy your stuff i don't i don't get that um but um i guess maybe maybe the takeaway there is crowdfunding is not for everyone but of those of you who are doing crowdfunding or have done crowdfunding um what's your take on um, do you think it's sustainable do you think it's here to stay or do you think it's in this moment and then eventually we'll we'll move past it what's what's your take on crowdfunding your comic keep doing it if you if you're doing it keep doing it it's a great kickstarter so i i did i like launched on amazon first like when i like when i first 
did it. And I didn't really know anything about, I was just like, how do I print a book or how do I get it out there? Yeah, I for was those just, that don't know, Alex's series is on a Greek food. So uh, <laughs> yeah, Greek food, cosmic feedback, you know, it's what it is. Um, but, uh, so I did it on the Amazon way first because, you know, when you start, you're just trying to learn how to write or you're just trying to learn how to draw. So you don't want to have to learn how to market or learn how to get print, like uh, somebody to print for you or everything else that comes with, you know, the responsibility of doing a Kickstarter and Indiegogo or something. Um, but when I did the Kickstarter in August, you, what you find is when you're building it, you actually get to know your project so much better. Because you have to write those things. Like if you want to write a pitch to a publisher, they want to know your summary. They want you to do it in a sentence. They want you to do it in a paragraph and they want you to do it in a page, you know? And so you're going to have to do all those in your Kickstarter anyway. And I'll tell you the first time you do it is going to be way worse than the second time and so on. So the more you can do it, the more you're going to get better at just like being able to market your series because you're just going to understand how to do it better, you know, like just like when you write a page, the, your first draft isn't going to be as good as your final draft. So uh, I, I'm I'm pretty happy with Kickstarter. You'll find that like it is more expensive, but like I broke down how much uh, it cost me to put like two issues out and a bookmark and a sticker in my like in my package or like for the main tier in my. Uh, my Kickstarter, and I think it was $22. I know it was $22 and it cost about like 12 or 13 ish, mm -hmm. you know, for me to get that to you. And that's like, you know, without factoring in some things too, like I was being pretty conservative about that estimate. So I, but I think everybody who goes on Kickstarter uh, knows that, you know, maybe not the first time. Well, maybe not Yeah. The I was going to say, I know a lot of people I think who are still running their, um, it's this great advice to know your cost because I, I I see people who have run several Kickstarters and still just they've got to be losing like paying out of pocket um, yeah. to ship their stuff and that just is insane to me for sure like international shipping's probably a no go you know <laughs> definitely, definitely these days like, yeah um, so you gotta maybe the digital is a great way to get like you can still get your comic to people and that's mm -hmm. what matters at first but uh. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I, I'm gonna. I was an accountant, so I, I, hmm. I, I follow those things. Yeah. I think somebody crapping on you because you got your comics like funded through Kickstarter. It's like the same thing as when people go like, "Oh, you just went to community college." It's like, <laughs> like you did it how you did it. And yeah. I think one of the biggest things that stops people from getting into comics is there's very real financial barriers mm -hmm. to making a comic especially because i write because i can't draw and if you want to compensate like uh pencils and inks colorist letterer editor all of that costs money especially yeah. if you're trying to pay enough people and if you're living in America today, it, it's hard to pay someone a living wage when you don't make one yourself, you know, right. and crowd like me, I'm a father of three and I work full time and it still gets tough. So crowdfunding is a way that I can take my pitch and pitch it directly to an audience and say, 
hey, this is the book. This is what I want to make. Um, and if you're interested in it, you know, give me some money and I'll put it together. There's a lot of research that goes into that. Like you said, you don't want to lose your shirt realizing you have to spend $30 per book to ship it to Europe. But at the same time, like, I think removing those financial barriers to getting into the comics industry will also get a lot more of those voices that aren't heard in the comic industry into the comic industry. Agree. Totally agree. Yeah. Um, Gary says people turning up their oh, noses on crowdfunding are way underestimating the achievement it is to get enough people together to hit your funding goal. For Amen, sure. Gary. Not easy. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm going through it right hey, now. It's I gotta I gotta also say if you guys if you guys don't know who Gary Hodges is, he is the creator of Dinosaurs versus Mars bots. Oh, if yeah. you haven't read it, it's probably one of the best books that you haven't read. Um all right. it, both volumes are super awesome. So if you can find a way to get it, get it. It's so good. I'm there. Both, both books are, are very, very solid. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think I just saw a post on today. They did didn't they have a different uh cover? Uh yeah, pulp, I just got my uh, my pulp cover. Yeah. 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 Yes. I love it. Yep. Yeah. So uh, good. You, cool. you can't imagine. I don't want to go into it because it'll turn into the dinosaurs versus Mars bot show, but check him <laughs> out. Check him out on Instagram. He's a top notch artist. He's a great writer. So check his book out if you can get your hands on it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so let's let's keep talking about Kickstarter as we kind of head towards the end of, of the show here because we are at an hour um, and don't want to go too far past an hour. But um, um, what's your guys's um, for those Jason? I can't remember if you've run a Kickstarter or not. I know you have the Patreon or the um, go. What's it? Buy me a coffee with um, mini comic bundles. Um, and yeah, similar stuff. Trying to get people roped in there and enough support. Yeah, you know we we decided to just go for it just as it was we didn't really crowdfund it but about halfway through we we had both agreed that if we had to do it all over again it definitely would have been something that we crowdfunded because mm-hmm. it was it, it's such an awesome idea you know to get the comics i got like to get the comics this size it's like yeah. you know it, it feels like getting a pack of baseball cards and we really could have um we could have scaled it a little bit differently. And it's, you know, everything is, is trial and error. And I'm super proud of, of how we did it because the quality is there. But definitely it would it would have been something that we could have tweaked a few things and offered a little bit more, you know, and it would have been more bang for your buck. You know, it might have been a bigger buck at the end of it all, but we would have, you know, we would have got it. And it would have been, I don't know, it would have been different. But, you know, maybe next time. But. Definitely, I have no time. issues with crowdfunding. You guys are coming up at the end. It wasn't mini comic bundles yeah. for a year. Yeah, we're on on month eleven now. So month eleven should be shipping soon, and um, we're finishing up our last story. And then there's a few web comics that'll be out on the site, and then so cool. that'll be the the end of the first campaign. So it was an amazing uh, thing. I I loved. It. Thank you. I, I appreciate I it. We're very proud of it. Yeah. It was it was a blast. Like every month, I'm as excited. Like I like I didn't even write them. You know, it's it's so nice to see them every month. But no, crowdfunding is definitely 
it has its perks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, it's something that I definitely want to explore, like on my personal projects. Um, and I didn't think that I would get there, but it's really the only way because you have to, you have to to take care of yourself, or you you you'll sink. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're working full time and you're trying to run a family, you have to. This has to make sense. Yeah. More than mm-hmm. just a passion project at a certain point, exactly. especially if you want eyes on it. So, so what's y'all's um, kind of jumping off that to kind of wrap up the show? Um, what was your most surprising thing about running a campaign, whether it's crowdfunding or or, or another funding method? Like um, Malachi and I just got done running um, the Wingless um, campaign for um, Nightfall Part Three, and what I never realized was just how I mean I've helped Wingless um, before. So after running the first campaign, after running the ICD campaign, um, I realized it. But it was surprising to me just how kind of emotionally, physically, spiritually spiritually exhausted you are at the end of a campaign yeah it's just gone yeah (laughs) i feel like i still haven't posted shit on instagram since my campaign has been over i was just like so over posting stuff on social media after that um and it's just like i wonder how many people think i'm annoying because i'm just telling people like all the time like hey guys by the way that reminds me you know, what do you know? I do have a comic <laughs> on Kickstarter. I, I don't know if I know that doesn't have to do with like you know it is sunny outside, but it's kind of the same thing. You know um, where it's not sunny in space. Support my Kickstarter. On the moons of Vonador. Yeah, it's dangerous over there. It's, the sun's not shining. Um, no, it's definitely there's emotions with it all. I think, I think that's not necessarily a Kickstarter thing though. I think it's just like having it like. Like I, I'm getting like mine now a little bit because I just sent out the physicals to people for my campaign. So it's like, man, I was just lit up after like I, I got I met my goal, like and I I barely met it, but I was just like it didn't matter because I had you know 86 people who were interested in reading it, and that was only like you know like to build a readership that's not it's not easy and 86 no. people like that's not one, so that's crazy. Yeah. And uh, and then it's like after it's the reflection you get afterwards, you know, like when people start to read it and you're like, OK, so there's probably things you can improve on. You want to feel that. But um, you also just think it's just a, I, don't, I can't really explain. You get a different sort of reflection after it's all out than when, when uh, you're still working on it. You exhale, basically. Yep. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I was gonna say, Steve, this is your first uh, uh, campaign, I believe. Um, yeah, I and so, what's what's surprising to you about it? I started my first campaign right when I started a new job, and oh, it's like Alec was saying, it's it's like having an additional full time job, mm-hmm. and just um, on the one hand, it's really cool because. It feels really good to like you can show people your Kickstarter page and be like, I'm serious about this. Like, this is something I've been working on for a long time. Mm-hmm. And they can see the work you put in. But there's also like, like, I've even had my wife just have to tell me, like, stop refreshing the page. Stop looking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> like, this is why you're getting so anxious. For sure. Page like, you know. That's Mal and I during every campaign to drive oh, Brian Lambert insane. Um, we're just refreshing. Oh, two more dollars! <laughs> it's a it's a freaking joy though. 
when you Isn't see it? it, it's like, especially at like you just like have him looked at it for a minute, and you pick it up, and like you like hit your next stretch goal, and you're like, what? That when was late. You wake up, and there's more money. Yeah, yeah. it's freaking crazy. Yeah. What a feeling. The other thing I'll tell people about Kickstarter, like, don't like I I mentioned it earlier. Like, you feel like you're being annoying because you mentioned it so many times, but like yeah. you're doing yourself a disservice if mm-hmm. you're not. If you're not, like, yeah, if you're not speaking up for yourself, nobody else is going to. Do, do you, like, because if nobody's going to be a passionate, you're like, you need to be the first person passionate about it. You need to be the last mm-hmm. person passionate about it. Mm-hmm. So there's no, like, in between to get there. You just need to be about it every day during that campaign. And then afterwards, I think the campaigns that I see go the strongest and are still going are the ones where I still have, I'm on, like, update 60 from them on the Kickstarter, yeah. like, you know, because they're yeah. still pushing and it lets everybody else know that hey, this guy isn't slowing down, and it wasn't a one-time thing. Like, especially if you're trying right. to do something ridiculous like me, where the, there's an infinite amount of issues in the future. You know, like I, <laughs> you gotta stay, you gotta stay with it. And if it, if it's sounding, if you're, if you're afraid about sounding annoying because you tell people about it, like those people aren't gonna read it anyway. So mm-hmm. that's true. And also, um. And it's just me being me. If you're that quote unquote annoying, or if you think that you're doing too much and they don't like it, they still have the option of unfollowing you. Exactly. Yeah, for exactly. sure. You don't have to fucking see it. I'm still gonna post it. Yeah. <laughs> leave it up to them. Don't leave. Every yeah. social media has a mute feature, man. Exactly. That annoying to you. Well, and then we mentioned the algorithm earlier. Like, I mean, Facebook, Instagram, whatever hides half of what you post anyway yes, so people do. are seeing post so much yeah yeah so yeah yeah Another any time. other um last minute um kickstarter surprises before we wrap up just eat your wheaties like i didn't kickstart but you know campaigning is like i felt like chris rock on head of state you know it's like you gotta go sometimes you gotta keep going even when you yeah. don't want to so it's it's a marathon, you know, and I know I know that I had some misses, so just learn from them the next time. But if you stop, that's that's the end of it. Yeah, I'll tell you the other thing that I did um, is I had my book done before I went on Kickstarter, and that like that sounds ridiculous because like hey, you're crowdfunding to help get your book done in a way, but like I was crowdfunding for my next one because for me. Yeah. For me, I'm telling people, hey, I care about this so much that I have the first two issues. Here they are. And so stick with me after this. And now you're helping me make the series. So that's great because it gives people they're like, hey, you know, I'm not the only one who's like he's got a stake in this, you know, Um, more than just like a creative endeavor or something to do to pass time. And then it also takes a burden off your shoulders of having to create as well as having to campaign and having to find a printer and having to do all these other things at the same time. So you can just uh, make it easier on yourself. Yep. Yeah. The more trust you build, the more you'll keep the people for your next issues if they know you're delivering. So exactly. Exactly. That counts. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for being here tonight and have helping to end our uh, show. Um, I enjoyed this. Um, 
kind of keeping it short and sweet, kind of getting to hit two different things tonight, an interview and a panel discussion. I loved it. Um, why don't we go around and just kind of plug again where people can follow you, how they can find you and support your projects. Steve, I'll let you go first since you got an active campaign. All right. Um, that's Rivenport on Kickstarter. R-I-V-E-N port. Um, still going until November 15th. Um, and then just shout out to uh, Ryan Tavares, who does art on the book. Um, shout out to Casey Pierce, who did the editing on the book. She has a couple of horror books of her own, Nora and Sirius, which are uh, good Halloween reads to check out. She's really good at what she does. Nice. Um, and Bits Bites blog, if you want to find me on social media. Fantastic. Jason? Awesome. Uh Find me on Instagram at Fallbreaker Studios. If you want to catch up on the minis, minicomicbundles.com. Uh, Instagram is kind of where I'm springboarding a lot of whatever I'm working on. I post a lot there. I do some, I'm starting to do some short comics on there just to kind of out of the minis again. So um, Instagram, Fallbreaker Studios, minicomic.com, minicomicbundles. Sorry about that. Minicomicbundles.com. But um, stay tuned. There's always something else. Malice, bump down to you. Yes, yeah, so I can be found on Instagram. Mal the writer. There are hyphens between each letter. Um, I'm on Facebook as well. I'm probably more active on Facebook because on Instagram, I, I posted today. It was my first time in 10 days. Woo what? So, <laughs> I know. I, I was kind of shocked. <laughs> um, but on Facebook, Malachi Bailey. Um, and of course, you know, wingless. So yeah, find me. Alec? Uh, yeah. Um, please check out the gyro universe. That's my, uh, graphic novel series. Um, we just finished a Kickstarter in August. Um, there'll be another Kickstarter in February or March, but you can read the first issue for free. If you sign up for my mailing list, if you just check out my, uh, my, the link in my bio on my Instagram and um, you can also, there's a 10 page preview if you don't want to do that, um, that you can check out beforehand. And uh, it's also on Global Comics. Uh, the second one um, is on Global Comics if you want to read it there. Uh, but Instagram's the best way to see anything that's coming out. Um, should have two more issues to make it for by the time uh, the spring comes. Nice. Very good. Well, everybody, thank you again for joining this evening. If you're out there watching, thanks for watching. Thanks for all the interaction in the chat this evening. Um, Jason definitely had a fan club out there watching this evening, and we appreciate that, Jason. Um, guys, we're back next week, next Thursday. Uh, we got Monsters and in Indie Comics. Uh, we got a panel going to be on, including... Um, uh, unlikely hero studios who has a a, a miss medusa's monster menagerie um comic on kickstarter right now and they're just blowing it out of the water um i think steve's back on um we've got lionheart series on yep. um and one other person brian neeford neeford sorry i can't read my screen i'm old um and so <laughs> We'll be back next week, wrapping up October to talk about Monsters in Indie Comics and end on a great Halloween note. Um, guys out there watching, thank you so much. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me this evening. We will catch everybody out there watching next time. See you guys. Thanks for having us, Brett. Why are you still listening? It's the end of the podcast. But since you listened to the whole thing, since you're still here at the end, as this podcast ends, as you exit out of the episode, 
why don't you give us a rating? And if you're not following or subscribing to us yet, go ahead and do that too. As I said at the beginning of the show, it helps a lot and you'll be doing the dispatch a big favor.